Amen. You guys can be seated where you're at. And uh, as you're seated, as the choir heads down, I want you to do something. I want you to look at someone right beside you right now and just tell them this. Hey, you're looking pretty good for a Wednesday night. Go ahead and let them know that. All right. Um, you know, Wednesdays are always weird. Uh, so you are. You're, you're looking pretty good. Now. <laughs> Oh, man, as, um, as they, they don't look that good, y'all stop, all right? Uh, so as the choir heads down, uh, I just, I just want to take a moment uh, to say to the church family here, uh, to say to the leadership here, uh, pastors and staff, and uh, I just want to say thank you for allowing me uh, to be part of what God has done this week. And I believe what God has, has done this week has really just started something. I know revival ends tonight, right? Tonight's the last night of revival. Look at somebody and say, but it ain't the last night of revival. Go ahead and tell them, okay? Um, no, no, we're, we're probably not going to meet up here tomorrow night. I mean, God could break it. I've, I've learned if 2020 taught us anything right, it's, uh, it's to just be careful what you tell God you're going to do and, uh, and be careful thinking you know how things are going to work out. So I'm not, I'm not expecting to be here tomorrow night. Maybe God does something and we show up here again. I don't know. But, but here's the truth. Um, I feel like last nights are a lot like um, when they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. And, and they're like, hey, let's just build a temple. Let me make a house for you and Elijah, and, and let, let's just hang out up here. And God's like, no, no, you got to go down the mountain. And I feel like these, it's like the last night of youth camp. It's like nobody wants to leave youth camp. Listen, but everybody needs to leave youth camp. Like, like nobody really wants, you know, revival to stop or leave the room, but we've got to leave the room because there's a world out there that is the need of the Jesus that is in here. Amen? I'll say that again. And if you're taking notes already, you might want to write it down. Uh, there, there's a world out there that is in need of the Jesus that is in here. There, there's a world around you that is in need of the Jesus that is in you. And, and we said really revival, honestly, it's, it's about those two words. It's about you and I realizing it is time to say it with me, somebody wake up it's time for that it's time for us to wake up and and so on, on Sunday morning we we got in we said listen first thing we need to do is is we need to wake up to who God is and we looked at Acts 17 God who is God how is he described and let me tell you something the description we gave of God was in no way complete because God is all that, and as I like to tell my kids, and a bag of Cheetos, right? God is bigger than you and I can imagine. And so our words will always fall short. Our descriptions will always fail to bring the full picture. Our, our, our illustrations will always fall short. And so God is big. And when we get a glimpse of God, like Isaiah did, I saw the Lord, man, everything begins to change. And I want to challenge you. Um, as we come to this last night of revival, if you want to continue to walk in revival, to continue to press in each day in your walk with the Lord. Make sure you're carving out that time to listen to the Lord, to read his word, to pray. Look at your neighbor and say, 
He's talking to you right now. Tell him, would you? Um, uh, that, that's how revival continues, right? How, how do fires keep burning? You keep putting logs on the fire. You keep putting logs on the fire. And I want you to see your time with the Lord is just simply putting another log on the fire. It's just continuing to stoke that fire on a daily basis. And so we say, you got to wake up to who God is. And then we, we came back Sunday night and we said, listen, if we want revival, we need to wake up secondly to who we are, right? Who are we? Or, excuse me, where are we? Where are we in our relation, in our salvation, in our dedication? And just like I just said about, you know, knowing God more, um, that is not just a one-time ask, where are you? That's a daily question we ought to be asking ourselves. Where am I today with the Lord? How's my walk? Has anything crept in? Am I sliding a little bit? So it's a daily deal. Revival is kind of like breathing. It's a daily, continual reality that you and I can walk in. And so, who is God and where are you? Then we came back Monday night and said, but, but not only that, we need to wake up to who we are. Who are we in Christ? Like, in Christ we have a new identity. By, by the way, like... Here's how I identify. Ryan, what are you? I'm a follower of Jesus. That's it. That's who I am. And that, that's, that's, I, there's only one name I'm going down for, all right? And that's Jesus, okay? Like, I, I, that's the hill. He's the one I'm going to die on. That's it. That's, that's my hill to die on right there. So, Ryan, how do you identify? Full-on follower of Jesus. That's it, all right? And so we said, how, you, you know, who are you in Christ? And we, we said some things like this. What? You are changed. You are being changed. You are new. God, 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 is, God has called you, and, and, and God, God has chosen you, and and God has, has consecrated you. And, and we walked through Jeremiah's call. Then last night, we came back. I'm just catching some of y'all up who've been out all week. You're welcome, all right? Uh, but then last night, we said this. If we won't, really want revival, we need to wake up. Wake up to one powerful message. And we said that one message can be summarized with four symbols, right? The heart, the division symbol, the cross, and the question mark. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I got wristbands that have them. They're out there on the table. If you did not get one last night, feel free to come by and get one. If you got one last night, it's $2 for you tonight, all right? So just saying, because uh, some of you are like, these still free? You know, no. So, uh, but anyway, uh, so tonight, where do we go from here? Where, where, do, we, where do we go? How do we... <laughs> I almost said, how do we land the plane? But really, it's how do we launch the plane? Because listen, we're not landing the plane tonight. We're not landing the plane. We're leaving the deck. We're heading out to be on mission. And tonight, I believe it's another time for you and I to experience this reality that, that, that we need to, to wake up, that we need to understand that God has called us to, to wake up. And tonight... I want you to do two things. Number one, get out your Bible. If you got it with you, get out your Bible. Um, we're going to be in two verses, Luke chapter 5. Bob, I know you like that. He's studying Luke. If you have any questions about Luke and theology, um, come to Pastor Bob. He's in the middle of walking through the, this Luke deal. He's been talking about Luke all week long like he's his BFF. And I'm like, man, I'm tired of hearing about Luke. Mark's better, all right? So uh, anyway, uh, Mark's just better because Mark gets to the point. If you ever read the book of Mark, it's like Mark's like straightway, right now, here we go, immediately. And it's like 16 chapters, we done. What's the problem, Matthew? It took you 28, all right? So if... <laughs> By the way, if, you, if you're not used to church, that, that joke makes no sense to you, all right? And I apologize right now. But, but in Luke chapter 5, 
We're going to look at two verses. It's an encounter that Jesus has. And the whole point of tonight is this, is that I want you to wake up to three words that change everything. So if you have your Bible out, that's one thing you ought to do. If you want to do the second thing, and that is to get something to take notes with. Students, um, I need you to take some notes down. I know you're not in class. You're like, I ain't take, what are you talking? Just take notes down, I promise you, all right? Because here's what's going to happen. Um, one day, eventually, uh, you're going to think about something that happened tonight. Because some of you walked in, and you have no idea what God's about to do to you. I mean, you have no idea. You think you showed up because some girl asked you to come eat pizza at church, right? Like, And I'm just telling you right now, God has something bigger and better for you than pizza, um, uh, a bounce houses. And even that beautiful girl that invited you to come, all right? Um, God has something better for you, and that's Jesus. And so tonight, I want you to write some notes down because these three words really do change everything. And, and it reminds me um, of a story of, of my, my wife and I. Uh, so I told you all, my wife and I, uh, we met in second grade. Uh, we were six years old. She walked into the room. She moved from Baltimore, Maryland to East Texas. She walks in the room, uh, uh, second grade, or first grade, sorry, first grade. That's how much I remember. Uh, first grade, she walks in the room. I don't remember any of that, all right? But that's what she tells me, all right? Like, I, I have no idea. But, but in sixth grade, uh, we dated for a day. I told you all that, right? Uh, it was in the morning. Hey, will you go out with me? Uh, by the time school is out, I'm like, this is way too much pressure. We got to end this thing. Um, uh, sixth grade, man, dirt, you know, monkey bars. Your boys, they're better than a girlfriend. A lot less pressure. Then the eighth grade came. We made it a whole week. I told you all that an entire week. Come on, somebody. Let's go. I mean, we were almost engaged. I mean, it felt like in eighth grade, right? You're like, that, that's a long time. Um, I had my cousin break up with her for me because we didn't have some, don't judge me. Um, I see y'all, some of y'all like, you had your cousin break up. Ooh, you lose, you break up over Snapchat. I don't want to hear it. All right, so, um, don't want to hear about it. So, anyway, if that just happened to you, I apologize. Uh, I did not know that, uh, but it's going to be all right. So, uh, but then we started dating our junior year in high school. Um, so, junior year in high school, we start dating. We've been dating a few months and I decided it was time to tell Heather something. It was time for me to let her know a very important message I needed to share with her. So we had been hanging out that night at her house with her parents. We'd watch the movie or something. And we go out onto the porch to say goodnight. And uh, we get out there, and I say, Heather, um, I need to tell you something. And so I grabbed both of her hands. We're kind of locked eyes. It was a beautiful setting. Um, if you've never been to East Texas, there's pine trees. Um, it was humid. Um, there was the bug zapper in the background going off, y'all know. Um, June bugs flying around. I mean, it was... It was incredible setting, right? So I'm holding both of her hands. We're, we're on the front porch, and I look at her, and I say, Heather, I need to tell you something. And, and she goes, okay. She's looking all weird. I'm like, no, 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 seriously. Like, I need to tell you something. And so she goes, okay. And so I look at her, and I said, Heather, I need you to know. And three words came out of my mouth, and y'all know what they are. That what? I say it. Love you. Whew. I was nervous. Man. I was like, ha, ha, ha. Now, in my house, when we were growing up, in my house, um, there's just kind of a logical flow to how that conversation went. Somebody in the house, mom looks at you, 
you look at mom, dad looks at you, whatever. If someone in the house looks at you and they tell you, hey, I love you, there was a logical response back. Yes? I feel like, I feel like my, my home was not abnormal, all right? I was like, this is normal, right? So in my house, when I was growing up, if your mom, my mom looked at me and she said, Ryan, I love you, your response would always be, this is not difficult, all right? What? I love you. Thank you. Thank you. It's not hard. I wasn't asking or expecting too much. Heather, I love you. She looks at me. <laughs> I wish she was here. Um, she, she looks at me, and she kind of tilts her head. That's when I knew something was off. Um, she, you, know, you know, like the dog going, huh? She looks at me, and here's what she says to me. She says, Ryan, how do you know? I was not ready for that. <laughs> Nobody in my life had ever replied back to me, well, how do you know? And that's what I get on the front porch, and I'm going, ah, ah, you know. So in that moment, <laughs> God is so good, um, even before I knew him. Um, in that moment, I'm holding her hands, and all of a sudden, I guarantee you, they start sweating like crazy, right? And I just look at her, and I said, don't worry. In time, you will love me too. And I kissed her on the lips, got in my truck, and drove home as fast as I could. Let's go, somebody, all right? And so some, some, some of y'all are sitting there going, bro, how, how'd that turn out? I just told you we were married, all right? So um, gave it time. Eventually, she came around after my mom coached her up, you know. Uh, no, but... But in all seriousness, those three words, man, they're a big deal. But we kind of throw them out there, right? We, we like, oh, I love hamburgers, and I love the Cowboys. I know we're not in Texas. Don't shoot me, all right? Um, you know, I love the Falcons. Surely you don't. But if you do, um, uh, but, but I just, <laughs> sorry. Like, I'm pretty sure Cowboys are going down bad this year. So, um, so, you know, we just throw that out, right? Oh, I love those shoes. Man, I love that purse. I love that phone. You know, like, I love that car. We just kind of throw that around, right? Those three words are kind of thrown out flippantly, but they are big words. They are powerful words. They are three words. But they're not the three words I want to tell you about tonight. See, the three words I want to tell you about that literally change everything, it's not, I love you. But I want you to write these three words down. The three words that will change everything for you is this. When this gets in your ear and, and, and invades your mind and sinks down into your heart and this becomes the reality of your life, these three words change everything. Are you ready for them? Here they are. Not I love you, but write it down. God, say it somebody, loves, say it, you. As a matter of fact, look at someone beside you right now and tell them those three words. Ready? God loves you. Look at somebody else on the other side and let them know too. Ready? God loves you. Um, as a matter of fact, the other day, um, right here at church, right here in the front here with this dude sitting now, there was a young lady sitting there the other day, had a blue shirt on, and it just said, God loves you, right? Is that a true statement, yes or no? Yes, it is a very true statement, but I'm afraid as the church, we've kind of thrown that statement out to people and communicated unintentionally the wrong thing. Think about it. 
I go up to my boy. What's your name right here? Sam. Thank you for having an easy name, all right? Sometimes I pick them, I'm like, oh, dang, I should not have done that, right? Sam, uh, what grade are you in, bro? Tenth grade. So Sam, uh, so I'm right here, and I'm like, I'm like Sam, <laughs> are you really in tenth grade, by the way? All right, go. All right. You don't understand why they're laughing. It has nothing to do with you, okay? The other night, uh, the, we'll talk afterward, all right? But um, so Sam, you're in tenth grade, man. Um, and, and, and just say I walk up to Sam. You know, he's in, in, walking down, a, down, you know, the hallway or something, and, and, and we meet uh, because I'm in 11th grade, and, and I'm like, hey, Sam, I just want to let you know God loves you. High five. Sam's like, oh, cool. When I tell Sam, hey, God loves you, what does that communicate to him? Well, it can communicate something like this. Hey, Sam, God loves you, so I just want you to know you're good, he's good, we're all good. But the reality is something powerfully different. Because, yes, Sam, God loves you. But there is some weight that comes with that reality. Because God's love does four powerful things I want you to write down tonight. God loves you. And you ought to ask this, so what? So what does that mean for me? So where does that leave Sam? Where does that leave Ryan? Where does that, 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 that leave John? Where, where, does that, where does that leave Sarah? Where does that leave us? God loves you? Okay, so, so God loves me? Okay, awesome. So, so what you're saying is I'm good, don't worry, live my life, do what I want. No, 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 no. When I say the phrase God loves you, when the Bible communicates that God loves you, there are some powerful realities that come with that truth. And in Luke 5, there's an encounter that Jesus has with a guy named Levi. And I want us to read two verses, Luke 5, verse 27 and 28. I want us to look at these two verses, and I want to see what they tell us, what they show us, what they demonstrate to us, what they declare to us about this reality. God loves you. Here it is. The Bible says in Luke 5, 27, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, and he was sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Lord, tonight, would you show us what it means that you love us? Would you show us? What your love calls us to. Would you show us what your love does? Would you show us what your love demands? In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you. Now, some of you read this encounter, you're like, Ryan, what does Jesus' encounter with Levi have anything to do with the phrase God loves you? I don't see it there. I didn't read it there. But I want you to realize, why did Jesus go to Levi? What was the motivation for Jesus to go to Levi? Levi was a known and notorious sinner. Tax collectors in that day would collect taxes. They would rob people. They would collect more than they were supposed to. They would pay the Roman government what they were supposed to collect, and they would keep the excess. They were robbers. They were thieves. In that day and time, nobody wanted to hang out with them, be around them, be seen with them. I mean, they were the it, they, just a... Easy way to say it, like they were the lowest of low. So what motivated Jesus? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, God's only son, 
to go to the lowest of low in the day, to approach the one that nobody else would approach, who stepped into the life of someone that, that, that nobody even wanted to be known to be around. What motivated him? Here's what motivated him. God's love. Why did Jesus step into his life? Because God loved Levi. Why did Jesus call uh, Levi? Because God loves Levi. Why did Jesus invite Levi to come follow him? Because God loves Levi. Look at somebody right now and tell them this, and God loves you. Tell them right now, and God loves you. But what can we learn from this encounter? What do we see here when we see that Jesus went out, saw a tax collector named Levi, said, follow me. He got up, left everything, and followed him. Number one, write this down. God's love, write it down, God's love always finds us right where we are. Write it down. God's love always finds us right where we are. Look close. Don't miss this. After that, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting where, somebody? At his what? Tax Booth. Guess where Levi was? Right in the middle of his sin. Right in the middle of his mess. Right in the middle of his unrighteousness. Right in the middle of his robbery. He was at the thieving booth. He was right there where, where day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, he would rob folks. He would steal from people. He would do the unthinkable. And so now Jesus, where does he decide to encounter, to meet, to find Levi? Right in the middle of his mess. Hey, tonight, I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what mess you're in. I don't know what mistakes you've done. I don't know what's been done to you, but I can promise you this. God loves you, and God will meet you right where you are. This is what Jesus does. This is just his M.O. It is how he operates. Let me just share some realities with you. Where did Jesus find Matthew or Levi? He found him at the tax booth, right? Where, where did Jesus find Andrew and Peter? Oh, they were out fishing. Why? Because they were what? Fishermen. Found them right where they were. Where did he find James and John? On the boat fixing fishing nets because that was their occupation. I love this. Where did Jesus find a woman one day in the dirt being accused by a bunch of religious people? Where did he find our boy Zacchaeus? Up a tree. How about that one, right? Listen, where did he find Saul? Oh, he found Saul on a road trip on his way to arrest followers of Jesus. Where did he find another woman? He found her at the watering well, going through her daily routines. Where did he find Bartimaeus, the blind guy, on the side of the road begging for money and food? Oh, and here's the king, here's the topper of them all. Where did he find a demon-possessed man one day, naked in the grave? yard some of y'all need to read your bible because y'all like for real for real imagine that jesus can show up anywhere 
And he will always meet you right where you are. So I say that tonight to let you know this. There is something freeing about knowing no matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, no matter how far you think you've fallen, no matter how far you think you've run, no matter how bad you've been told you are, here's where God's love will find you, right where you are. He'll encounter you right in the middle of your mess. And I guarantee you, in this room, we are chock full of stories of people that were in the middle of a mess and God showed up. I have a buddy of mine who's now a, a, a Christian rap artist. And you know where he encountered God? One day after a drug deal went bad and a gun was pointed at his head. As the gun was pointed at his head, he prayed, God, if you are real, stop this. The, the, the trigger clicked, the hammer slammed down, and the gun misfired. That night, he gave, hello, his life to Jesus, right? Where did he meet God? Right in the middle of a drug deal gone bad. Where did I meet God? Right in the middle of a Sunday night service in church. Where did you meet God? Wherever you are. I want to just tell you tonight, you are in the right place and God's love will find you right where you are. But number two, don't miss this and I promise you, you need to write this one down. God's love finds us where we are. Listen to me close. But God's love always invites us to where he is. Don't miss this, because here is a powerful truth. You ready for it? God loves you right where you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you there. In other words, God's love comes in to flip the script. So wherever he finds you, is not where he wants to leave you. Let, let's just check it out. I'm glad you or have your Bible open. He, he says this. He says, after this, Jesus went out. He saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. And what did Jesus do? He invited him to what? Say it with me, somebody. Two simple words. Follow me. See, the invitation from Jesus is not, hey, pray some prayer. Feel good and keep doing what you're doing. That's never his invitation. His invitation is, I will find you no matter where you are. I will meet you right where you are. I will jump right into the middle of your mess, but I want you to know that I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to invite you to come follow me. Zacchaeus, come down. Yes? Remember that? Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your crib tonight. Let's go. He didn't leave him in the tree. Paul, on the road to Damascus to persecute and potentially murder Christians. Paul, who are you, Lord? This encounter flipped everything, and God changed the trajectory of his life. See, he invites us to come follow him. Peter, Andrew, on the boat. Hey, Peter, Andrew, come follow me. James and John, mending nets. What was the invitation? Come follow me. See, God's love always finds us where we are, but God's love always invites us to where he is. Think about that for a moment. Because there's a lot of people who say stuff like this. God loves you just as you are, and you don't need to change. 
But the truth of the gospel is this. Jesus changes everything. He changes everything. Think about it. Death to life. Separation to relation. Darkness to light. Think about all that changed when you met Jesus. See, Jesus doesn't invite you, hey, come pray a prayer, do better. No, he says, listen, you and I, I find you right where you are, but I'm going to invite you to where I am. Come, follow, Disney would say, your heart. But Jesus doesn't say, follow your heart. Jesus says, follow me. Oh, now it's getting interesting. Now God's love tastes a little bit different. See, God loves you right where you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you there. He finds us where we are, invites us to where he is. But thirdly, write this down, and God's love, write it down, calls us to full surrender. God's love calls us to full surrender. I, I go back to James and John. They're on the boat with their father, mending their nets. Fixing them up from the day. The fish had broken some. Maybe the nets were tattered and torn. And so they were fixing them up. Jesus rolls up on the scene. Hey, James and John, I see you, boys. Come follow me. What does the Bible say they do? They drop their nets, jump ship, leave their father, leave everything, and they what? Follow Jesus. This is how you and I come to Jesus. I'm yours. Might I dare say, it's the only way to come to Jesus. Look close. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Now, why did Jesus find him where he was? Because God loves him. Why did Jesus invite him to where he was? Because God loves him. And why did Levi, look close, the Bible says, he what? Say it somebody, he got up and what? Left everything. Last night at the end of the service, we invited people to, man, who wanted Christ to come. And we had seven or eight students, uh, teenagers come down. And, and in, a real, in a real way, last night, Jesus' call was, hey, listen, don't, don't come and add me to your life. He didn't come to be part. He came to take over. In, in other words, Jesus didn't just come to be added to your life. He came to be your life. Don't miss that. That's why Paul would say something cray-cray like this. I no longer live. But he's living. He says, I no longer live, but now Christ lives in me. And here's the truth. The modern day church often preaches something like this. Pray a prayer, say this, and go on and do whatever you want to. You're good, I'm good, it's all good. But Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's a call to surrender. It's a call to lay it all down. And so Levi, in this moment, hears Jesus, sees Jesus, and he gets up and say it with me again, somebody. He what? Left some of his stuff. Yeah, that's why I got up on the screen because I don't want y'all believing something that ain't true. He left what? Look at somebody and just say this. Everything. Go ahead and tell them right now, all right? He left it all. He left every single thing. He left his money. He left his job. He left his old life. He left it all. Everything flipped. See, here's what the world says. The world says find yourself. The world says identify yourself. The world says be yourself. The world says figure yourself out. But what does Jesus say? Deny yourself. 
Look at somebody and say, it ain't about you. Go ahead and let them know, all right? Um, like Jesus. <laughs> all, right, all right, Jesus did not come to ride co-pilot. I, y- y'all remember, I remember this. I don't know if the bumper sticker is still around or not. Don't Google it right now, but it probably is. It says, Jesus is my co-pilot. I wanted to make one that said, if he's your co-pilot, move over, right? Like, like you're in the wrong seat. Like, Jesus ain't your co-pilot, right? He's the pilot. That's why, that's why I said, I am Lord. If you confess with your mouth, I, Jesus is Lord. He didn't come to be buddy. He came to be Lord and God and ruler. He came to call the shots. Again, again, what did he say? He says, He's told, now look, some people would say, well, he's talking to the disciples when he says, deny yourself, take up your cross. Read your Bible. Here's what he said. He's, he called the crowd. That was not all disciples. He called the crowd to him along with his disciples. Check this out. Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants me, whoever wants me, whoever wants me, whoever wants me, look close, he must, I like that word must because it's a, it's a, it's a powerful word, it's a direct word, it doesn't leave any, it doesn't say you might want to think about, you might want to consider, hey, maybe you'll get a committee and take a vote on this. No, here's what he said. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple, say it must, what? Deny themselves. That, that's why the first step to becoming a follower of Jesus is to say no to yourself. Do you know why some of you who know you should have already said yes to Jesus this week haven't said yes to Jesus? Here's why. Pride. You won't deny yourself. You're afraid of what people are going to say. Like, I believe there's some grown men in the house who need Jesus as your Lord. But you're too afraid of what your wife might think or what your kids might think. And you let pride get in the way. No wonder he said we got to first deny ourselves. I believe there may be some women in the house who need Jesus. He's been pulling you all these days. You're like, man, I know I need to confess him as Lord. I know I should, but you know what? I'm just going to keep trying to play church. And listen to me. You can play church till the day you die. And I want to let you know you can play church and bust hell wide open when it's over. And I'm not saying that to be mean. But I've got to be honest with you. Like I'm packing up and going home tomorrow, Lord willing. This may be the last shot I get. And I just want to let you know, hell ain't worth you being afraid of what other people will say. Deny yourself, take up your cross, come to Jesus. This is what he's saying. Now, see, when I start with this, God loves you, we're like, oh, good, God loves me. All right, cool. Pizza? Anybody? Yeah. No, 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 no. God loves you. And it is a true statement. It's a powerful statement. It's an authentic statement. But it's a statement that carries weight. Yes, God's love will always find you right where you are. And he'll always invite you to where he is. And his love will will, will call you to full surrender. And here's the powerful thing. When you surrender, you realize this. God's love changes people forever. That, that this is the heart of the issue is the heart, right? When, when, when Jesus gets your heart, everything changes. Every, like, so um, those of you who haven't been here, I think I shared this. Like, I kind of grew up in church, right? I grew, grew up in church. I've been in church as long as I can remember. Um, by the time I was a teenager, I learned how to play the game really well. I knew when to show up, stand up, shut up. I knew it all, right? Like, I knew. 
I knew, I knew how to do the do's and don't the don'ts. Now, I didn't bat a 1,000, but I was batting a lot better than most of my friends. And the truth is this. Like, I played the game really, really good. But, man, the night when Jesus saved me, the night I was, I was sitting in church, and, and, man, it was like I just felt like the preacher was talking to me. I felt like there was nobody else really in the room. I'm like, probably ain't nobody else hearing this, but, wow, like, whew, Lord, I hear you loud and clear. I need Jesus. Man, that night when I bowed my knee to him and I came in full surrender, man, everything changed. Listen to me close. Yet nothing changed. Now let me tell you why. Because guess what? I, did? I still went to church. But it was different. Can I give you a hint about church? Church is way better with Jesus. <laughs> you know how some of you hate church? I'm going to be just real because that's what I get to do because I'm leaving tomorrow. Um, you know how some of you hate church? Because you don't love Jesus. You know why some of you never read your Bible? It's because you don't love Jesus. You know why some of you don't ever pray? <laughs> you don't love Jesus. Now, some of it may be that you're not discipled there yet, or you haven't grown in that yet, whatever. There, there's growth. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying, you ever thought about that? Like, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be ironic if I just told you all week long, man, I love my wife, I love my wife, I love my wife, and they're like, hey, Ryan, have you talked to your wife this week? Nah, we don't talk. They're like, what? Nah, we, nah, you know. I mean, I love her, though. I love her. Are you going to see her when you get home? Nah, I'm going to fly back to Fort Worth, but I, I'm not going to see her. I'm going to hang out with my buddies. But you've been gone. Yeah, you know, I'll go get my kids, but psh, Heather, you know, I love her, though. How many of us treat Jesus just like that? And so if that's real, we've got to pause and take that heart check. That's what it's about, waking up, realizing where we are. Listen, it's not about judgment. Judgment ain't come yet, but one day it will. Right now, you still have an opportunity to get that right. Right now, you still have an opportunity to, to say, Jesus, I, I, I surrender all. I'm coming to you. I, I am yours, Jesus. I got church, and I don't need church. I need Jesus because church is, without Jesus is just a building, and it's just a service, and it's just a country club. But, but church with Jesus, whoo, man. I figured that out quick. I'm like, man, church is really awesome. Oh, that's right. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me now. That's what I'm like, man, that, that, man, my pastor can preach all of a sudden. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, whoa. That's just the Holy Spirit going, no, now you understand what's being preached, right? <laughs> look, y'all think I'm kidding you. Well, let's just look at the story. After this, Jesus went out, saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up, left everything. Oh, <laughs> And he didn't go to McDonald's, unless that's where Jesus went. I don't know. But check it out. What did he do? And, say it somebody, and followed him. I've said this a lot lately, and I'll say it right now. Do you want to know how you know you're a follower of Jesus? Let me just help you. You want to know how you know you're a follower of Jesus? Here it is. <laughs> you're following Jesus. You're like, what do you mean? Just take inventory. Does your life look anything like Jesus's? So you're like, well, you know, I mean, no, he, he got up and he, and he followed him. And I don't think he did it perfectly. We know Peter show sure enough didn't, right? right? It's not about perfection, but it is this. It's about a change in direction. I'll say that again. 
Following Jesus is not about perfection. I'm not saying you got to be perfect, bad a thousand, you're never going to stumble, never going to fall. But I'm saying, listen, at 18 years old, when I turned from sin, turned from self, bowed my knee to, knee to Christ, Jesus, be my Lord. Listen to me close. My life since then has not been about perfection. But my life from that moment was headed in a total different direction. My affections were different. My thoughts were different. Conviction was different. Have I always done it perfectly? Look at somebody and say, not a chance. Go ahead and tell them, all right? Not a chance. But I can tell you this. I'm not the same dude I was when I was 18 years old. He followed him. That means you grow, you stumble, you fall, you get up. You walk, you walk in community, you worship, you have highs and lows, but Jesus is there. Why? Because if you're in Christ, the Bible says this, if anyone is in Christ, they are a, come on somebody, what? A new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. Nah, 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 right? Like, it's gone. And, and the news come. And so I want to ask you tonight, is that you? Are you Levi? Has God's love found you right where you are? Have you heard the call to come follow him? In hearing that call, has there been the time in your life, like, like some of the students last night, man, where they just surrendered with a simple confession of Jesus as Lord, and they will not be perfect today, they will not be perfect tomorrow, but their life is headed in a different direction. They will stumble, they will fall, but they're going to grow. The Holy Spirit lives inside of them. They're going to be around other believers, man. They're going to mature. They're going to be different a week from now than they were a week ago. They're going to be different 10 years from now than they were 10 years ago. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in them. They're their life is headed in a different direction. Why? Because they realize God loves you. And his plan and desires for you are way better than any plans or desires you have for yourself. Um, full disclosure, uh, I wanted to be a Dallas Cowboy when I grew up. Y'all are like, for real? Yeah, everybody has dreams, right? Um, I guess long far back. I, I grew up when they were actually winning, by the way, all right? So uh, that dates myself a lot. I understand that. But uh, I grew up when they were actually winning. Um, you know, by the way, five Super Bowl rings. Anyway, so uh, uh, I grew up when they were winning. That's been, yes, over 20 years, I know. And, um, but I wanted to be a Dallas Cowboy when I grew up. I played football my entire life, my senior year of high school. Uh, two weeks before um, the uh, football season started, my left ankle got broke water skiing. Last game of the season, my right ankle got broke as my lineman blocked his guy across my foot as I was running through the line with the football. Broke my other ankle. The scholarship that I had to go play at a small college was done. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was kind of freaking out. My girlfriend decided, Heather, she's going to go to East Texas Baptist University. It was real close to home. I was like, dude, that sounds good to me. Got some scholarships to go there not to play uh, football or anything like that. Uh, but got scholarships to go. We both end up at East Texas Baptist University, staying at home. Uh, I, I was like, you know what? Forget sports. It hurts too much now. And um, so here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm pretty good at math, and I like money. Let me just say it like this. I was good at math, and I love money. 
And I said, well, here's what I'm going to do. My wife's mom worked uh, for Merrill Lynch on the stock exchange. I was like, I'm going to be a stockbroker or a CPA. I'm going to go get a business degree. I'm going to get on the floor, man. I'm going to make money. That's what I'm going to be about. Second semester of my freshman year in college, God on a Sunday night changes everything in my life. I was... Not listening to anybody. I already started taking business classes. You know, they said, just do, your, just do your basics so you don't waste money. I'm like, I know what I'm doing. You can't tell me nothing. I know anybody else like that. Okay, cool. Um, I was like, you know, I'm, I know what I'm doing. I already taking business. So God changes me February the 13th on a Sunday night. I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, I don't know if this dude's talking to anybody else, but I know I need Jesus tonight. Uh, he says, bow your head, close your eyes. I didn't bow my head or close my eyes. I got up, grabbed my youth pastor. I said, listen, bro, I need Jesus. At first, he tells me this, Ryan, just calm down. Pastor just got you a little excited because I was kind of his right-hand man at the time. I told you I was playing church really good, good enough to be like the youth pastor's right-hand man. And he's like, bro, just calm down. Like, you know, Jesus, I began to share with him just stuff that had been going on in my life, wrestling I'd been having at night when nobody else was around. There was no joy, no peace, no, no, no nothing in my life. Because when, I'd learned to be a people pleaser. And I knew how to play the game. But when everybody else was gone, I was empty on the inside. And, and, and that night, the Lord showed me, Ryan, that's because you've been tricked. Like you're not born again. You don't need another sermon. You need a Savior. And that night, I told him that, and he's like, all right, bro. He showed me Romans 10, 9. Uh, if you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. That's like, that's it right there. It's like I'd never heard that verse before in my life. It's like, Come off the pages right there, backside of the chair. I'm like, Lord, I'm yours. I'm giving it all to you. I said amen, looked up at my youth pastor. Here's what I said. I said, God's called me to ministry. <laughs> my youth pastor had great wisdom. He said, calm down, all right? Um, <laughs> one step at a time. And uh, I, I said, all right, I got that. We went out, told everybody in the church. And, man, we had a celebration. Um, a week later, I was getting baptized. Um, by the way, real quick story, sorry. Um, I, that Sunday night I was getting baptized the next Sunday night by the way if you are born again and you have not been baptized um, it's time like stop walking in disobedience obey the Lord get baptized let people know thank you alright so next Sunday night I'm like hey I'm, I'm you know we used to do meet and greet you pastor, you know what I'm talking about. Like, hey, everybody get up, shake people's hand around you, right? And uh, that was pre-COVID, a lot pre-COVID. Uh, but anyway, like shake everybody's hand. We're like, okay, here we are. And, and I'm shaking, and I'm right, literally right here in the middle, middle, middle. I, I just remember it like it was yesterday. And, and I, I walk up, and this older gentleman walking down, I'm beaming. I mean, I just got saved like a week ago, man. Like, like I'm getting baptized tonight. I got family and friends here. I'm like, I, man, I'm like, this is it. I go, how you man, shake his hand, big smile on my face. He goes, well, you seem awfully happy to be here. It's Sunday night. I guess nobody was supposed to be happy to be at church on Sunday night. I don't know. Um, I was like, I am. Like, I'm getting baptized tonight. I got saved last week. And I never will forget this. This old man looked at me. And he said, don't worry, son. It won't last long. Hoo-hoo. That's been, you know, longer than 10 years ago, let's just say, all right? Um, and I just want to say, man, I've had highs and lows, but Jesus has lasted through it all. And I just want to tell you tonight, I don't know where you are, what God's doing, where you've been, what's been done to you, but I'm telling you tonight, man, God loves you. And Jesus can change everything. 
my favorite verses, you know it, I know it, is just this simple one. And I want to close with this as the team comes up. It says this, for God so loved you. Hey, Sam, that's you, bro. You're the only name I know right now. All right, sorry, buddy. He's like, what? No. But just put your name right there. For God so loved. Say your name out loud right now. One, two, three. For God so loved you that he gave his only son, Jesus. God God loved you so, listen at this. He loved you so much. He sent his son, Jesus, to come live a perfect life, die an awful sinner's death on the cross in your place for your sin. If you see crosses around the church, you see crosses on people's necklaces or as jewelry, listen to me close, man. That was a form of execution. And God loved his son so much, he allowed him to be executed for you and me. Our sins put him on the cross. I like to say it like this. Jesus did not die because he messed up. He died because we're messed up. And I want you to know God loves you enough that he sent his son to die on the cross in your place and for your sin. He was buried on the third day, rose again. And look at what he says. And if you would believe in Jesus. Now listen, that word believe is not just like nod your head, mental acknowledgement. I had done that most of my life. That word belief, that word believe there, pistis is faith. It's, it's full trust. It's, it's, this, it's, it's this picture of um, rolling out of the plane. I went skydiving one day with a buddy. <laughs> Let me just say something. I was super brave till they opened that door. I was like, whoa. But there had to be some point where it was like, one. And I remember two, three, and man, at that roll, it's over. You're going, whether you like it or not. And that word faith just means that, like, hey, did I trust the guy that I was strapped to? No. You know what I trusted? That parachute that was strapped to him, right? And I'm telling you, it's Jesus that you need to strap yourself to tonight. And he says, if you would believe in him, you'd strap yourself to him. You would give all that you know of yourself to all that you know of him. Look close. Here's the promise. You will not perish. You will not die forever. You will not be separated from God forever. But you will have what? Not eternal death. And some of y'all can't even handle this right now. But you'll have what? Eternal life. Eternal life. And that's for anyone who believes, no matter how young or how old you are. That's the invitation. Why is that available to you? Oh, I'm glad you asked. You don't know why? Because God loves you. Would you bow your heads in the room tonight? Real quick, I just want to ask. Do you realize God loves you? Do you understand that sin in your life has separated you from him? Do you get it tonight that Jesus can save you? And all you have to do tonight is turn and trust in him. So I'm going to ask, how many of you in the room tonight would say, Ryan, that you're, you're talking to me, man. This whole sermon has been for me. I need Jesus. Tonight, I feel like he's stepped into my mess. I feel like he's calling me to follow him. And Ryan, I'm ready to, like Levi, to get up, to leave everything, and to come to Jesus.
Ryan, would you pray for me, man? That you're, you're talking to me tonight. I need Jesus to be my Savior. I need Jesus to be my Lord. Ryan, I need him, and I want him. Would you pray for me? Nobody else looking around. If that's you in the house tonight, and you're like, man, that, that's me. Would you pray for me? I need Jesus. Would you just slip your hand right up and right down if that's you? I just want to pray for you. Awesome. Someone else. Cool. Thank you. Somebody else. Just say, Ryan, that's me, man. I need Jesus. All right. Pray for me. I need Jesus to be my Lord. Ryan, you're, you're talking to me tonight. I need to get up and come follow Jesus tonight. Anybody else in the house say, Ryan, that's me. And I promise you I'm not just talking to kids. I promise you this invitation ain't just for, for teenagers and children. I just want to speak this out. Is there any adult in the room who'd be humble enough tonight to say, you know what, forget it. I know I need Jesus. And I can't say no anymore. Ryan, pray for me. If that's you, would you just slip your hand right up and right down? I'd love to pray for you tonight. Anybody? Awesome. God, right now in this house, I pray. I pray for anyone who has not come to follow you that tonight they would come. Tonight they would give everything that they know of themselves to all that they know of you. And God, you would change everything for them. So with nobody else looking around, I just want to ask a simple question. If you're serious about that tonight, about saying, Ryan, I, I need Jesus and I want Jesus and I'm ready for Jesus. And, man, you've never come to him before. You've never been say before, like, this is a, man, I'm nailing this down tonight. He's mine. I'm his. Ryan, I want him. If you're for real about that, like I was when I was 18 years old, and I didn't care if anybody else came, I'm telling you, I was going, right? And I don't even remember if anybody else got saved the night, that night. I, maybe it was just me. I don't know. But if you're in the house and you say, Ryan, I'm serious, I'm ready for Jesus to be my king, would you do me a huge favor? Would you just look at me right now if, you, if you're ready for that? Would you just look at me? You ready for that tonight, bro? Just keep looking at me, okay? I'm not going to come get you. I'm not going to. I just I just want you to look at me for a minute. There's others. You say, Ryan, that's me, man. Look, Just, just look at me right now. I'm looking around. You need him tonight? You need him tonight, young lady? Yeah, keep looking at me, okay? Cool. You need him tonight? You ready for him tonight? Yeah, if you're looking at him, I'm assuming that's what you're doing, all right? If I'm missing, you need him tonight? You ready for him tonight? Yeah? Okay, awesome. Anyone else? I'm looking over here. You need him tonight? Cool, thanks. If I'm missing you, just kind of slip your hand up so I can see you. Anybody else? Here's what I, here's what I want to tell you. Everybody that's looking at me, just listen to me real the only way Jesus saves you tonight is for you to ask him to come in. Does that make sense? So like um, I said this last night, but if I showed up at your house, could I just walk into your house? No. Right? I, I got to knock. You got to hear me knock. You got to come to the door. You got to open the door. And you got to what? Invite me in. And just like that spiritually, the way Jesus moves into your life is you open the door of your heart, the Bible says, and you ask him in, right? You, you invite him to be your king, your Lord. You say, Jesus, I'm yours. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth. So you're confessing, Jesus, I want you to be king of my life. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So here's what I want to do. Before we go any further, if you are here tonight and you're like, that's what I need, that's what I want. I'm going to ask you to do something a little crazy. As everybody else is just praying right now, if you're for real about being ready for Jesus to move into your life, to be your king, 
I want you to do something. I want you to get up from wherever you are, and I just want you to come stand right here. I just want you to get up and just come stand right here. Don't wait on anybody else. I'm not counting to three or anything. Just, just get up. You're like, that. that's me. Like, like I, I'm ready for Jesus. Just come on. Just stand right here because I'm, I'm going to help you right now. Like, invite Christ in. Some are coming right now. Just, just get up and come on. Just get up and come on. Don't be afraid. Everyone else, the best thing you can be doing right now is just be praying, all right? So just come on up here. I want to talk to you for just a second. Bob, would you come up and stand here with us, man? Just come on. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Just step up. Come on. I'll wait. But he's knocking. Come on. Just come on. There you go. Just come on. Anybody else? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have Bob walk y'all right outside. Bob, you can talk to them, and he's going to lead you. He heard me do this last night. My brother's more than capable of doing this. He's going to help you understand what it means for Jesus to move in, to be Lord of your life, to be king of your life, to change you forever. Does that make sense? And so, Bob, if you walked him right out there, and anybody else, hey, now's the time. Just get up. You need somebody to come with you? Say, hey, come with me, Bob. You walk out there. Maybe we get a couple another, maybe a couple ladies who could help, maybe maybe a couple guys who could help. That would be awesome. Um, yeah, y'all just walk out if you need to go. Just go with them. That would be awesome. Anybody else say, hey, I, I, I need to go. Ask a friend, hey, will you go with me? I promise you, they'll go. The worst thing you can do is sit here. The best thing you can do is go. There you go, young lady, just go. Just get up right now and go.